You're with Julian on the brown notes and the decline and fall of Pitchfork magazine or how going woke really did go broke. And the story of why it's not to do with the conglomerate Condé Nast or Nasty, but the editor-in-chief of the last five years, Pooja Patel, who is actually, for me, the arguable villain in this piece. If you don't know who Pitchfork are, it's the most important music criticism bible this century. It's the most important music magazine this century. In the, the, the best era for music criticism for me wasn't the likes of Rolling Stone, who have always been quite trite in uh, their music criticism, to be honest. Um, it's the, the late 80s and early 90s of British music journalism of the NME, Melody Maker and Sounds. Three weekly publications which were absolutely superb and really went for it when it came to music criticism. The only rival to that era has been Pitchfork magazine who arrived uh, um, I think as an online presence back at the end of the 1990s and became synonymous with this pretentious over-the-top music journalism and they basically fomented and reported the incredible burst of music from the early 2000s across American alt rock and indie and more electronic bands coming through like the Knife and the LCD sound system and the re-emergence of much more interesting R&B and rap and they were brilliant they were brilliant even if you disregarded them they occupied a place where every time their end of year polls on their top 50 albums or tracks came out it was a way of religiously going through with a fine tooth comb discovering new music and back then, I, you know, I, from 2020 to 2010, I would have read every review, even if I didn't care about the artists or the genre. They were important um, and often mocked, uh, um, but kind of ground zero for music criticism this century. And Condé Nast brought them out um, as a ongoing concern, remaining pitchfork.com or pitchfork media as the world's most prominent music publication. And a lot of people are going to blame this on Condé Nast, the big conglomerate that came in and bought them and ended up chewing them out and killing them and changing everything. It's not true. What happened when Condé Nast came in is that they started focusing a lot on people like Beyonce and Drake. And the reason they did that is they get the most clicks. So they're doing, you know, they do Taylor Swift. Or, and my biggest problem then was... Every single Beyonce article is taking away an alternative music article. That was my problem. But even if you include the relentless focus on much bigger mainstream artists, and the other, the other problem I have is if I want to read about Beyonce, I can read about her in every single other publication. Pitchfork was an alternative music Bible first. So that, that was the, the, the two problems I had is I don't need to read. I want to read about mu music I'm not hearing about anywhere else in Pitchfork. <coughs> and focusing on Beyonce and Drake and Taylor Swift isn't doing that. And it's using up space. There could be articles on alternative acts that aren't getting focused elsewhere. I do apologize. But they continued. Condé and Ars bought them like 10, 15 years ago. They continued for years after that. By 2015, they were still going strong and still occasionally having really good years when it came to their album lists. 
What changed here is the editor-in-chief of the last five years, Pooja Patel, and whether it was her fault, whether it was management's fault, I can only ascribe the direction that Pitchfork then took as blaming it on the person in charge, and the most in charge seemed to be Pooja Patel as the editor-in-chief. And they basically forgot a large part of their audience. Whether this, and then this gets you called an incel and like alt-right or you know sexist or whatever, but a large part of alternative music is being made by white straight Anglo men with guitars, whether it's indie music or alt-rock or whether it's more experimental music or metal, a million different kinds of metal. There's an awful lot of that music being made by straight white people with guitars, men, and Pitchfork just turned around and said they didn't care about that music anymore. And what they would focus on was really uh, female solo acts making pop and R&B and being on TikTok in the modern era and uh, American, specifically American rap, because a lot of black English music never got any of the acclaim. And, and you could see it most cleanly when... And a white boy indie guitar band would come in and their scoring system out of 10, once it gets to like 8.2 or something, it's best new music. So it's like one of the most awarded of the year. And it seemed like they downvoted. It's almost like they had a company policy of downvoting any white indie straight guitar music down to just below best new music so it could never get it. Unless your singer, as with dry cleaning and so on, is a woman and or Big Thief, and then you can make that kind of music and get best new music. But then they would upvote a lot of mediocre female pop and R&B to 8.3 so that they would give it best new music. And you end the year with virtually no focus on what a large core part of their audience listened to. I listened to the music they were ignoring and I listened to the music that they were focusing on. It's them that changed. They stopped focusing on a vast sphere of alternative music which was their base so they became increasingly irrelevant and people stopped reading their articles so i used to religiously go through their um, end of year list as being the most sacrosanct and now i just don't don't even bother because it's just a collection of you know mainly female solo pop and r&b acts and the other american rapper and then if they begrudgingly give any sort of a claim to any white boy indie guitar music, it's always like backhanded. Uh, I think a really good example of that, of, of that golf, was uh, the Reader's Poll in 2022. My album of the year that year was Ants From Up There by Black Country New Road, joint with Rosalia's Moso Mami, I might add. Now, they, that was one of the best reviewed albums of the modern era. And they let it scrape in at number 49 in their best albums of the year. But the Reader's Poll ranked it the third best album of the year. And to me, that really showed the gulf between the current crop of journalists at Pitchfork and their readership, which is why they lost it, why they lost relevance, why they lost cultural currency. They care more about covering TikTok fads than indie guitar music. And whether you like it or not, alt-rock and indie guitar music were their bread and butter. And they stopped caring about it. I, I kind of call it the, the, the post-fetch the bolt cutters era. And I think one of the, like, where they, they give un, unbelievable, they basically focus their praise on who makes the music now and have done for the last five years, rather than how good that music is. 
So they'll sideline you based on your gender or skin color or anything else. And they've even done it to their own. Like they've eaten their own so often. Like, like some examples would be St. Vincent being a rock chick, indie rock goddess, you would think would be immune to their criticism. But they apply where I hate the word woke, but it does seem to really apply to what happened. The, the last St. Vincent album I saw, they had a massive go at her for using the term 911, the American Emergency Police Co uh, phone number, because she was a white woman, uh, as though it's a, a black person's word. And Bad Bunny, uh, you know, in, in the relentlessly macho world of Latin music, um, where he's a gender-bending, you know, revolutionary, they had to go at him for not being black enough. They had to go at Rosalia for being only white Spanish. Like, they couldn't help themselves. Um, and it's, it, I only care about whether music is good or bad. I don't care who made it. But they just didn't, they didn't convince me that they had any credibility when it came to reviewing music anymore. If it got best new music, it was a very narrow band. The irony was in their relentless push for diversity, which was completely valid because so much men music was being um, focused on and rewarding that they had to right the ship. And back in around 2015, you know, there was a valid push to include far more female music, but they just they didn't never stopped going. So they ended up ignoring a lot of great music made by men and then focusing on a lot of mediocre music made by women, which isn't how it should be. They never righted the shit. They promoted mediocrity. And a lot of the most important musical acts just got sidelined by them and they couldn't hide their contempt. So they ended up having a really... So they wanted to be really diverse and they ended up being the most narrow and homogenized music publication. You can look through any other music publications end of year list and see a much wider variety of music being focused on than they did in Pitchfork, which is the opposite way it should have been. And given Pooja Patel has presided over that period where this has happened, I have to blame her and not Condé Nast. So Condé Nast have announced that going to fold the Pitchfork publication into the GQ magazine. What that means, I've got no idea, but it's an end of an era. The most important music publication uh, for someone like me who is a relentless consumer of reviews and music criticism and, and producing myself, it is the most important publication. And they went down a path that they didn't need to so relentlessly. I feel like they alienated a lot of their audience, their core audience. And they just ended up focusing on a narrower and narrower band of music to the, ex to the exclusion of all else. So I do kind of blame her more than Condé Nast here. I don't know what the future is for Pitchfork, but apparently it's dead, um, which is terribly sad. But I've been, you know, the last five years, I've really not liked Pitchfork. Uh, and I kind of blame her. So...